Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Thank you very much to everyone for getting in touch since our April issue came out. The Wellness 100, as you'll have seen, number one was Chris Hemsworth. Uh, It was a, a cracking interview. He was wonderful. Um, I'm often asked when I interview people, what what are they really like? And uh, I can absolutely verify that Chris Hemsworth is uh, a diamond. Uh, And also, from a, I'll be honest with you, a balanced PR point of view, his line about uh, how he'd love to be James Bond, it was picked up all over the world. So if you saw that news story, that that came from our interview. That was very exciting. So that came out last Monday, uh, the Wellness 100. Fern Cotton was number two. Uh, and she was our guest on the podcast last week. So, uh, yeah, that was a banger. So, big thank you there. With our good news section, we always try to mix it up. And that was certainly the case in April with, with one of the stories where, for eating your breakfast, I apologise, eating your bogeys, there's, there's no there's no way of sugarcoating this, uh, might be good for you. Oh, my goodness. How is this possible? It's because uh, in the last few years, we all think that uh, everything being super clean is vitally important however it's it's actually it, it can be detrimental to our bodies because there's nothing for our bodies to fight back against if everything is super clean so according to research uh, as we said in our good news story that could actually be good for you eating picking your nose and eating it i mean i wouldn't i personally wouldn't recommend it and if you're on a train i mean at least wait till you get home but if there's any kids uh, who've read that you've got some ammo against mum and dad there haven't you well, it was in balance, so uh, I'm going to carry on. Our guest this week is the stand-up comedian Darren Harriet, star of Live at the Apollo, Mock the Week, Don't Hate the Players. He's one of the stars of the new Comedy Central show, The Comedy Bus. Darren is one of the most confident stand-ups I've ever seen, so I turned up, hoping that Darren would share his tips on confidence. The conversation takes a real twist. There's some stuff uh, I did know about Darren, there's a heck of a lot I didn't. Uh, so this actually ends up being a conversation about male mental health, about depression, about depression in the family, um, and a lot more. So um, really interesting stuff. Uh, as ever, please drop us a line, podcast at balance.media. At the end uh, of this interview as well, I'll give some information if it helps. If there's anyone you know or indeed you yourself, um, can relate to some of the things that Darren talks about. Um, as I say at the end, us at Balance, we, we, that's the least we can do to be um, flagging that sort of thing. But anyway, without further ado, this is Darren Harriet. By the way, thankfully things are now going very well for Darren, and so we had this conversation at the rather plush BBC White City House. We had it outside 
at the on the top floor by a swimming pool, which is nice. However, it does sound a little bit like we're having a conversation at Club Tropicana. And um, I can assure you that the drinks were not free. Um, but anyway, please enjoy wonderful stand-up Darren Harriet. One thing I want to talk to you about is, is confidence. I've said this to you before. Yeah. I was, talk- I was chatting with the TV producer last weekend and I said, I don't think I've seen as confident a performer since Jerry Seinfeld. You've got like Seinfeldian wow. levels of confidence. Where does that come from? The reason why I ask that is because I imagine a lot of our listeners, uh, and me, um, a lot of our listeners would love to know how on earth you managed to tap into that. But here's the thing, right? I am a super introvert. I've I've learnt this recently. So I've, I've basically been filming the show Comedy Boss for Comedy Central, um, and all the comedians on there are really good people. People, people, people persons. They are. So they, they so are. Susie's on that. Susie, Susie Ruffle. Ruffle, Kiri Pritchard McLean, uh, Tom Allen, Joel Dummett, Ian Sterling, and I realise all natural chatters. Natural chatters. Natural, Lovely people. Good, good, good friends. Solid man. eggs, yeah. right? And I told them that I'm not, this is a massive step for me because I'm just not used to being around people and having this much, you know, this much chatter with, with people. And, um, and I've learned it within myself that I'm not good at small talk. Uh, I don't make much eye contact. I'm terrible at it. And I don't know where it all comes from. But when I go on stage, or even though I don't really make much eye contact on stage, that confidence is, is it's like, this is my time. And I heard a, a, a quote from... Um, uh, Barry Humphreys, aka Dame Edna, yeah. says that uh, uh, when I go on stage, that is my alone time. And as soon as I step on that stage, I'm like, ah, oh, finally, peace and quiet. And when I heard that quote, I was like, that, that's it. That, that, that is, that is it. As soon as I get on that stage, I'm like, ah, oh, this is me. Finally, I'm alone, and I can just be this person on stage, which is me. But as soon as I come off stage. Especially if I don't know you, I, I, I just don't know how to engage. Sure. I, it's gone. Like, me and you, great. No, you, how you doing, man? How's everything? Da, 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 da. I see you more than I see my own wife. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can, I could look you in the eye and say that with absolute sincerity. I li- I, it's at that point where on a Friday and Saturday, I could guess where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could definitely, sure. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so would you say, if you were, if, if any listener is an introvert, is it almost a case of finding that thing that takes you to that? It is, yeah. Happy um, place. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so not into when people say, "Oh, well, you should just go out and talk to people more." But that's not what I'm into. Like, like it's, it's not my thing. Uh, say, "Oh, you should go traveling around the world." Yeah, but you want me to travel around? I travel on the world on my own, and I'd have the best time. No, no, travel around the world and meet people. Yeah, but. That's not really what I'm into. Sure. Like you, everybody needs to find. They're projecting what, their own thing onto you. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. It's, it's you know people. Oh, you, you're supposed to be a, a you know a people person. Or if you're not a people person, you're an animal person. I'm like, well, I'm, I guess I'm neither. I'm not an animal person. Not a people person. So what does that? What, what am I? You know. Um, I didn't know that about you. You know, because we um, chat so much. Because I know you. This is the sure. this is the thing. So like a lot of comics, even the comics I did the comedy bus with, were like, oh, when I first met you, down, I thought you were aloof and I thought you didn't like me. And it's like, no, it's not that. Only <laughs> oh, such a comedian's comment, <laughs> making it back back about themselves. <laughs> I thought you didn't like me. It's like no, it's not that I didn't like you. It's just that I don't. I'm just I'm just terrible at this kind of interactions. And now that I've been able to um, recognize it. Things have been going much better for me with people. Seriously? Yeah, because I, I didn't realise I had a problem. 
I, I, I never realised it was it was a problem to other people. So even with uh, eye contact with people, I've said I've I, I've said like because I used to go on dates and stuff, man, and dates were so bad because at the end they would go, I "Thought you weren't interested. You barely even looked at me," and I was like, "Yeah, but that we we talked a lot. Yeah, yeah, but you you weren't really making much eye contact. I thought you just wanted to be like friends." And I'm like, "Oh no, I just don't really make much eye contact. I don't really know." Where that's sure. from, and said, oh, and I'd go. It's not just women; it's it's like guys as well. It's anyone. I just don't really make much eye contact, and I don't really know why. But in a sense, there's there's a shyness there that is sure. like new, because your posture, your body language on stage. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there, there's a school of thought that, that an audience within the first few seconds will sense weakness. Well, you're you're, you're the opposite of that. You know, yeah. I, just, I, just didn't, I would never have a Yannis intro. This it, is so it, interesting. Yeah, it, like um, uh, when I went to Australia, I went to Australia in April sure. for the whole for um, the festival. Fantastic, had a great trip. Didn't didn't really leave the hotel. Sort of stayed in, walked around. Didn't didn't visit any animals. Didn't. I've got a, a new joke where I talk about how I I didn't see a kangaroo, but I ate a kangaroo. <laughs> like I didn't. I, I actually had kangaroo delivered to my hotel room, and I tried kangaroo by Deliveroo. Which is just like the worst. But that delivering more your bag than actually getting in, into the wildlife. And exactly. Sure. And I, I, I only saw this town centre. I never wanted to travel around. I never wanted to see the sights. I went to New York as well. I went with a, another comedian, Ishan Akbar. He was amazed at how much I just wasn't into going around and doing all the touristy stuff. I remember we saw the Empire State Building. Went, There's the Empire State Building. Went, oh, yeah, cool. Oh, that's a coincidence. We're at the Empire State Building. We never planned on that, but there sure. it is. And I, I don't I I understand it more now and I would like to explore a little bit more but again it's it's everything in in, in stages um, I it's it's nice to know that I, I am like that because I never I had no idea I was like that how did you work that out um, was it therapy no I haven't had therapy yet yeah I definitely need uh, therapy um, I think just talking to a lot of people and finding out the sort of stuff that they did. And then they go, what have you done? And you go, not nothing really. Also, when I was growing up, I never had holidays, never went on any holidays. Sure. Mom couldn't afford it, dad wasn't around. Uh, you know, very working class. All the money was just spent on keeping the roof there. Yeah. So we never went on holidays. So I only went on a plane maybe two years ago. Um, I think my second ever plane trip was to Australia. Like the first was I think like Amsterdam for a gig. And then the second was Australia, and, uh, which is quite the leap. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 like I said, the main thing is I can recognize, recognize that it's there and I have it, but now that I'm able to express it and tell people about it, I feel so much better in it. And it's a part of my new show is me talking about sort of, you know, this, this introvert type attitude because my worry was there's this thing that comedians do, and uh, you've, you've, you would have seen it many a times, where a comedian will really pretend to be something. Oh, mate. And then as soon as they get off stage, mate. they are the complete... It's one of my pet hates. It's like... Um, hey, I'm your best friend. Uh, off stage. Don't talk to anyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, or the, uh, the, the comedians who are like, oh, I'm so bad with women. And then at the end of the gig, they're standing vicarin with all the girls, <laughs> so holding true. court. I'm, I'm so awkward. Oh, and then, <laughs> like, like, I may be an introvert who's terrible at eye contact, but I, I'm fine with women. There's no problem there. I've, I've seen that, my friend. Necessarily. <laughs> necessarily. It's more just like I have to then 
I always have to do the extra talk of no, no, no. I was definitely interested. It's just the eye contact's a bit crap and da da da. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, comedians love doing stuff like that. You know, I get it's a part of the act, but there comes a point where it's like, could you at least wait till the end of the gig to to completely dispel everything about you? And the charade. Yeah, it's it's yeah. There, to me, there is still that mystique of a comedian on stage and owning the room. Because, you know, we all know comedians who, after gigs, they just hook up with as many women as they can. And I've never done that because I'm always worried about, like, the morning in the hotel. She saw me on stage as this, like, this guy who just owned this room of 400. And then in the morning, she's like, do you want to get breakfast? I'm like, oh, no, I don't eat till 2 p.m. It's a part of my diet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I intermittent fast daily. You can get yourself whatever you want, but I'll I'll wait. You know, I just feel like it ruins. It takes away that magic. Yeah, Yeah. man. Like, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, one thing you, you touched on earlier in, in terms of your childhood, I mean, what you went through as a kid, you would yeah. never believe that you'd be sat here now, would you? No, no, I mean, I had also, my, especially my teenage years, I know a lot of comedians come from being bullied and stuff like that, I was never really bullied. I was, I was more, if anything, I was more on the other side of that, to be honest with you, especially in my early teenage years when we tried to start a gang and wanting to be tough and all that. Um, I think... Uh, with my my dad dying is uh, you know the Edinburgh show as they say uh, the the forty minute part of your Edinburgh show is you, the sadness and you know, dad died, uh, which is hilarious because there are some comedians who they still try and have like a, an emotional part and it's like my hamster passed away like <laughs> 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 it's always some or like my parents divorced I'm like oh really that's your sad part you pay oh what you got two different sets of Christmas presents oh no what. That must have been so right. tough. For I you. had to get some Monte Carlo at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what? So what happened there? So I know. I know a bit just because I know you, and because I obviously did my research. Yeah. Um, so what happened there with the the gang culture? So I th- I think I'm. Well, I know I'm from a working class background, yeah. a single parent family. But f- when I read your story, yeah, whole different whole different yeah. ballgame. I mean, it's weird because where I'm from, where I grew up, where I was raised, and the school that I went to was in the, the black country, which is very white, working class predominantly. Sure. It's very nice. Like, everybody mm-hmm. got along. There was, you know, ethnic minorities or whatever. There's everyone around. Uh, and me and my friends in school, me and all the black kids, we were so heavily influenced by, like, the So Solid crew. And, and we was getting into grime and pirate radio. Basically, if you've ever watched... Um, uh, people pe- Just Do Nothing. People Just Do Nothing, where they make radios, we was basically that sure. so we were like oh we gotta we like formed our own gang and then uh some of the guys in the gang were like 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 real gangsters i guess like had real gangster type attitudes whereas like myself or oh, there for the music i just wanted to make music have a good time get a sure. shout out on a pirate radio station maybe meet some girls but like they were like we were like soy and they were like full fat milk they were like proper no messing about we had another guy in the gang who was like Older than us, he was in his twenties. We were like fourteen. He was like twenty, twenty odd, and he would, and he was the one who brought the knives. So he, I remember we went out one time, and he he just stood there and had these two gigantic like flip knives with like what? handles on, and I saw that and went, oh, we're one, we're, this is what it is now. <laughs> it was like the moment where I went, oh, okay, okay, I'm probably gonna have to, I'm probably gonna have to leave soon, aren't I? Because this is. This is going down a way that I did not want. But I was fascinated with his knives because they were massive. Like it was almost like um, like the Warriors type thing. Oh we, my god! It was that classics like, okay, this is this gang. They do that, and uh, so yeah. Um, I remember it was very much a school gang, as in we all sort of met at school. Um, 
we liked making the music and I mean 14 year old boys they're so fragile their egos everything was gay that was that was a classic thing oh your mom's dead oh, gay you know pizza oh, that's gay uh, just so immature boys but we all had these egos where if anybody had said anything to us that we thought was like taking the mick out of us yep. we were oh what'd you say like we were you know very ready to, to, sure. to fight and then um, I remember I ended up getting a knife buying a knife because everybody else had a knife so where did you buy the knife local hardware store down in a place called Bearwood still there now it's a shop I remember I walked in and I picked the red flip knife because I had a red jacket on and I just wanted it to match I was like coordinated <laughs> like, and I picked it I had this flip knife and I remember just like walking down the street because it had like a spring action flip and it was so addictive to just flip it like a, almost like the way you would with a yo-yo I just kept flipping this flip knife out and uh I just, I think I just wanted to look hard. So I got like an apple and just sliced an apple and was eating an apple. Like Julius Caesar on the street. (laughs) Slicing an apple, just eating an apple with everybody else. Found my luck. (laughs) It was so sad, yeah. And um, I got out of the the, the gang. Uh, They beat me up New Year's Eve. We had, I can't remember why we fell out, but I used to make music. So I think it was something to do with music that I made. And we all went out New Year's Eve. And they beat me up. They beat me up. They rushed me, kicked me up. And I spent... Uh, Your New mates? Year- yeah, my mates, yeah. I spent New Year's Eve 2004 in a hospital bed, just like bruised up and all that sort of stuff. And embarrassed, because I felt like my masculinity had been sort of beat. Oh, mate. We really, cared, you know, we really cared about being tough. None of us had dads. All of our dads were, were either in prison or dead or whatever. So we all really like valued the gang as like this makeshift father figure. And... Um, and ever since that day, uh, we, you know, obviously I was done with all that nonsense. But I, I, I felt kind of grateful about it because I could have been stabbed. Like, I wasn't carrying a knife then. I remember I, I carried that knife for a little bit and then it was just not for me. But they all still carried knives. So I could have easily have been um, stabbed. And I, I feel very grateful because yeah. obviously, you know, London, you know what it's like here, especially. Um, knife crime and stabbings and stuff. Where I'm from, the old breed of black country, there was not many gangs. If you went to a place called Smevik or Handsworth, which is where some of the other gang members were from, yeah. where I went to and I went, oh, this is where you live. Like, I remember went to one of my friends on twice in one week I went to his house, police tape, different crimes. And I was, I, you know, I was like the out of town and going, whoa, what's going on here, man? Please stay. And he was like, oh, that's no, cool. We just walked around the back way. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, okay. So yeah, yeah, we just, yeah, we just climb over here. It's fine. Right. As if it was just standard. It was just, just standard. And, um, but now I know that they've been in and out of prison and all sorts. There's what, not, the guys used to not Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of them are in and out of prison and it's not, not going well for them. But, um, I felt lucky that I, I never got stabbed. But one thing that I remember that absolutely sucked was getting beaten up. And I was always seen as quite a tough kid as well. So when they found out I got beaten up, it's another thing. Ooh, who am I now? Um, I yeah, because it's like everything you know is wrong, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I got beaten up uh, December 2004. Um, so we're in the last year of school. Obviously, it's 2005. I came back maybe three weeks after that. Maybe, yeah, two weeks after everybody went back to school in January. And then I had to spend the next five months just there. And all these guys that I used to hang about with a lot, I can't really hang out with anymore because, well, they beat me up. And it's awkward. And I've got exams and stuff in school. And I, I, I remember those five months left of school just being just awkward and weird. Having to, you know, do classes and then walk around awkwardly because these guys were there um, that had beaten me up. And I remember I, I, I wanted revenge, man. 
it taught me I wanted revenge really badly one of the guys I was really close with like we were all close but one of them was like the really close one that who I was really close with and I remember he punched me he was the one who punched me right in the bridge of my nose you ever get punched in the bridge of your nose you just all your eyes are just bruised it's game over is it the Jamie Foxx bit uh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 it's so bad <laughs> and he hit me twice and he did the most damage I reckon because he caught because they held me and he really went and he was massive I remember he was about 6'4 he was just a big kid we used to, we used to call him Big Luke that's how big he was and uh, I saw him about 7 years later I was about 22. I'd, I'd already started doing comedy. And I still had the resentment. Like, I hate, surprised. These, hate these guys, man. You know. And I saw him at a distance. And he was with... Um, he was walking a little girl, a little baby. And I was like, oh, that's his daughter. Because I'd heard he had a kid. And I saw her. And he had a kid quite soon after school. And so she was about four or five. And he was walking. And I went, oh, he's a, he's a parent. He's got a little cute little girl. Oh, okay. And that was it. I was... Sure. Uh, Everything, all the hatred, every the revenge, just all left. I was like, yeah, he's grown up. He's a he's a dad. Why am I still here holding this resentment for what they did? I'm not, you know, there's no long-standing damage from it or anything like that. And just seeing him walking his little girl, just you know, tickling her and all that, just completely. It was like a it was Different like guy. completely new day. I was like, I could, I was like, yeah, he's 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 grown up. I, I gotta grow up as well and get over it. And I just, I um. I left it. There was another another story. Uh, there was another guy in the gang who I hated, who I who I never liked even when we was like friends. He went to a different school, but he's the problem with him was he was rich but wanted to be a gangster. So he would really amp up just being a piece of crap. Even though when we went to his house, he had everything. Sure, he had all the nice trainers, all the nice car. Cause his mom and his his dad wasn't with his mom, but his dad was a good dad. Yeah, which none of us had. Yeah, so he had everything. He was the rich kid in the gang. Anyway. I'm working as a bouncer in Birmingham, maybe about uh, seven years ago, and it's a late night nightclub, right? And uh, the doors, this is how bad the nightclub was. Doors open at 5 a.m., close it at 10 a.m. It's an after, after club party. Yeah. So all the clubs that close, bouncers, strippers, guys who have been kicked out of clubs, also no dress code, so guys who didn't normally get in clubs because they wore tracksuits could all come in horrendous club like the amount of trouble that was there was horrible anyway I'm on the door and it's fr- I remember it's winter I've got balaclava on I see him the guy from the gang one of the guys who, who I remember had a brick and wanted to brick me as I'm being punched he was ready to brick oh hit me with his brick God, and he had, he had to be stopped by one of the no 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 anyway and I'm searching him and I'm looking at him and he, he doesn't he doesn't know who I am because I've got balaclava on as I'm on the door and he's got such an attitude, man. And he's got tattoos all over him. And he had a, a big wad of cash. Just, you know, I think he's selling drugs and all that nonsense. And he goes in, and I'm just like... I, it's weird, because I got over the feelings when I saw Luke and his kid. But this was maybe two years after that. So about another eight years. And I, I, I just remember thinking, oh, he looks so hateable. Like, all these... Ah, oh, I just hated him. And I remember I went in to do my uh, searches... And uh, he was in the toilet, and he was uh, at the urinal, and it was just him. And I remember looking around going, who else is in here? No one's in here. And I remember looking at him thinking, if I just ran off and just hit him, not <laughs> only would he hit his head off the urinal, he'd fall in, and he'd just be covered in his own pee. And I remember just looking at him going, oh, nah. <laughs> but I remember just looking at this guy on the urinal. Weighing it up. Just really in my head just going, Nah, you're over it, Darren. This is a, 
it just hit me because it was the first time I'd seen him sure. in, in eight years. That's a lot to process though, and it'll come yeah. pushing back, you know. And I, I remembered him with the brick, wanting to hit me with the brick, and I was like, nah, you're over it. But I, I did have a thought, and I've, I've seen all the other. I saw all the others, and it was only it was only him that really brought back like crazy like rage. And even then, I was like, nah, you'd. But I remember being in a place where I wasn't happy anyway back then because I was trying to make it as a comedian. I'm still working as a bouncer in the roughest club in Birmingham, yeah. and it was just like, what is? And then I saw him turn up with. Uh, he had some hot girls with him, um, and a wad of money. And he looked, he looked like he was doing well, even though it was probably just drugs. But I was just like, oh, man. And then there's me here in this balaclava of a freezing, and I'm here till 10 a.m. dealing with this nonsense. And I remember feeling really, like, jealous almost. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's those things where you go, um, I, what side do I want to be on? If I did something then, that if I did something then, you know, my I, I one I would feel guilty myself. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't feel right, and it could have changed my life forever. I remember during the um, and what if you'd hit that guy and you know you go down, you know, you know what I mean? It's... Yeah. Well, if I'd hit him, say I'd hit him, he was with other guys as well. They would have killed. I would have not. I remember thinking of my other bouncer friends as well. Yeah. That because he would have kicked off, yeah. and they did not want because this guy's in a known gang in Birmingham. And it would have been horrendous for all of us, for me, just to get that little bit of revenge, that little bit of... Uh, it's kind of like, you remember, did you watch the Avengers? Yeah. Did you see how uh, Star-Lord, like, messed it all up? Could he just That's right, it's, that's it's, right. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like... He, he, he sort of ruins the whole... Ruins the whole plan. <laughs> exactly. It would have been like that. And, um, yeah, I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't do anything um, uh, about it. Oh, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Um... But yeah, I were you were going to say that had that kicked off and the, the bouncers were being reluctant to. Yeah, it, I, I've had, I mean, I've had moments like that, especially when I was trying to make it as a comedian. That's why, like, all the fun stuff that's happening now in my career, I, I can't, can't take it for granted because I'm like, man, I, I had near steps, man. I could, you know. And that's not even that long ago that story either. No, that's no. no, that's not that long. Remember the um, uh, London riots? Yes. When was that? Twenty eleven. Yeah, around then. I remember. Obviously, I was in Birmingham. I think I yeah I was just in starting in security and I I'd already done a gig by then because I was like 21 22. I remember getting all the messages the BBM back then. Yep. Cuz obviously the London riots London was insane what was happening here and then it went up north and it went to That's Birmingham. Right. Yep. Birmingham town center was trashed. I was getting the messages from people. Darren come. Let's go. Uh we're going to everyone's come go, go JD we're going to still train us and da, da, da. we're going to just raid up the whole place. I remember getting all those messages and just thinking Ah, oh, I don't want to do that. As like, no, I remember thinking I do want to do that, but I can't because I don't want to lose my security badge because that's the only way I can do comedy is is if I do security because it's zero hour contract, so I can pick and choose when sure. I work. And um, I I don't want to get a, a, um, a criminal record because I feel like it would come back to bite me in the ass at some point in my career. Whether it whether how the me. hell did you know that? Is that just your gut? I think it was just my gut. I think it was... I, I just remember... Because I wasn't... No one's necessarily raised to be a criminal, I guess. But they can see criminal things around them. And I never really had that at all in my life. In my family and stuff. So even the gang stuff, it was more me just acting up with them. Because they had seen real gang stuff. My only gang issues and uh, breaking the law was my dad. But I never saw any of that. It was just what I'd heard. So even then, I remember just going, I don't really want to... As much as I want to take a tracksuit and some trainers, because I had no money, I, I, I was on, you know, like... You're looking at the bigger picture. I was 
trying to think of the bigger picture about that. I just didn't want to get a criminal record because I wasn't too sure. And then as, and if you remember that, because there was so many people involved and it was so insane. Um, I remember thinking, oh, they got away with it. Everybody got away with it because yeah. people were telling me the trainers and oh, TVs, what? Took a year, didn't it? A year and then the Met, people were getting arrested like no one's business. And I ended up dating three girls who... Um, around that time who their boyfriends were all locked up honestly for stealing yeah so it yeah. Worked, works out well it, all around in the end <laughs> it worked out I couldn't have timed oh I couldn't have timed it any better <laughs> and it was all like what did, what did he what did he steal oh he was, he, he was like he was already on uh, his last warning and he stole uh, a couple of bags from JD oh, it, was like, breaks, it was like it was like sacks and yeah. stuff like that yeah 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 but um, so yeah I always think about back then and um, uh, again before I left for London I had a near suicide attempt I was ready to kill myself because I wasn't happy with my career and things weren't going well so I moved to London September 2014 almost killed myself April 2014 and then I actually spoke to my family I actually went and told my family how I was feeling and what I nearly had done and um, it was the first time I'd, we spoke. I live in a sort of family where we love each other, but you don't really say you love each other. You, we, you love each other by your actions. Sure. You know, we don't go, oh, mum, love you. You know, no, I love my mum. And I told them, and we had a sit down, and all the family were there. And because my dad committed suicide, so my ma, well, my family were just all worried about that as well. That, Did you worry it was almost in your DNA then? Well, completely, yeah. I'd heard it from so many people as well that it's it's there. Uh, apparently, if a parent, if your dad commits suicide, I can't remember what the percentage is, but there is like a almost like a 30% chance. You have a, oh, a 20 to 30% chance that, that, that their kid will also commit suicide. If it's your mom who commits suicide, apparently it's nearly 60%. Like if, yeah, if your mom commits suicide, you, the, the chance of you committing suicide are insanely high. Um, and then I just knew that I've got to take a chance now. I've got to just go and try and make this career work. And I remember I brought a crappy Vauxhall Corsa for my first car for like 600 pounds. Uh, in like, in like May 2014, and I'd sold it by July 2014 to go to London. That's how like it was just like nope, I've just got to do it because my career's not going to go anywhere, and I'm not going to be happy if I stay uh, in in Birmingham, the Black Country. And I just did it, and I moved with little money. September 2014, uh, had the same security job. They have a London office, so I worked down there. And uh, ever since then, it's just it's just worked out. But I would gig with you, and then you would put your coat on and you'd say I'm I'm off to start work yeah I used to work night shift so I, I'd do a 10pm till 6am so luckily I could do an early gig I could do you know as long as I'm done by half nine latest you can get to I, I, I used to work at uh, University of Westminster on the nights for the unis and uh, yeah I'd go do the nights there and then I'd do that on a Saturday I auditioned when I did Russell Howard's show the first TV stand up gig I ever did I think no first TV gig I ever did I auditioned in my security clothes I had, I had my tie on and my boots um at the uni, at the uni, mate. Honestly, this is better than a Rocky movie. <laughs> at the uni, I I got recognised a few times. Uh, are you are you the comedian who did Russell? So Howard? you do Russell Howard, and then you go back to security. I, work. I was still. Oh yeah, I never left security. I did Russell Howard maybe the May before I did the uh, the May of the year before the Apollo. So maybe May 2016, June 2016. I did the Apollo September 2017. Yes, yeah, so that was on repeat. I remember one time I was in the, the, the main uni hall, just, you know, signing people in or whatever. And I saw my Russell Howard clip come on, the, the episode, and I turned it over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nothing to see here. The last thing I needed was all the students knowing that there was a queen. Wow. As they, because it was hot, because it was bad enough. 
when I had to do the um, the dorms, well, the, the rooms. So you'd walk in and go, you'd hear the partying, and you'd go in there and go, you can't smoke in there. You know, you'd have to tell them to turn the music down at this time. If there was a fight, any sort, anything at all, you'd be there. If they knew you did comedy, you couldn't just walk through the halls then with all the kids. Ah, oh, you're a comedian, one, aren't you? Right? I had a, few, I had a bit of that. I went, oh yeah, I, um, yeah, I do it a, a little bit. It's hard, it's it's weird because then I felt like you kind of almost lose a bit of authority. And, uh, and they look at you in a totally different light. A then. completely different um, light. And uh, also, I kind of felt weird because I also, you know, I, 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 it's like I'm doing comedy, but you still got the day job. And even though, you know, that it's not as easy as it as it looks for people. You know, you don't just go on TV and then all of a sudden it's you know quit the day job. Very rarely does that happen, especially in in stand-up. You still needed to work. So I always felt embarrassed when that would happen because I would get people recognise me doing security. Um, uh, I used to work at the O2 Academy in Birmingham. So while I was doing stand-up, and the amount of people who would say, "Are you, you, you a comedian?" I remember doing the Glee Club, a weekend at the Glee Club, Birmingham. Yep. Friday, Saturday. Saturday, Sunday afternoon, I was working V Festival. And I remember people would go, we saw you at the Glee last night. And then I'm standing outside the Virgin Media tent with my security vest on and my boots. And I, 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 again, I'm terrible at small talk and I'm also super embarrassed because I'm just like, oh yeah, this is, again, the mystique of comedy. It's, yeah, I'm, hi, I made you laugh last night, but you know, you get, you get, you get tickets. It, it, it was a. It was so amazing, incredible. Yeah, it was so hard. I, I, I never, I never liked that. I was always obviously very friendly to people and stuff like that, but I always felt really embarrassed because it was, it was almost like you got on stage and then next thing you know, you put your overalls on and you just, you walk back out there. Um, yeah, but I, I really, I, I don't. That's what I mean. I don't take what I, everything that's happening for me now uh, for granted. Um, you always have that worry. You always have that. I, I still got my security badge. My security badge is still good until the 18th of July, uh, 2028. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 2019, uh, my badge runs out on the 18th of July. As a friend, mate, you can pop that in the bin now. Are you sure? I, <laughs> I, so. I, I look at it sometimes and go... Ah, I'll keep it for now. You never, you never know. Oh, mate, bless your heart. I mean, with the, I mean, with the with the suicide, was there was there an actual attempt? Or was it? No, there wasn't. No. So, um, but it's it the fact a, that you were having the thoughts. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was I was uh, I'm away to a gig, uh, uh, and I broke down crying on the train. I just I, I've never cried in public that I can remember as an adult, and I was just so many tears falling down my face on this train, and everybody's just looking at me like, what is going on? Because if you see me, I don't know, like somebody who you'd want to crying on a train, you go what is happening in your life and I remember at that point that was the, the, the most I've ever felt like killing myself Yeah. like I remember Remember, if I had a gun right then I would have blown my brains out right then and then but I was on a train and it was just moving and so it was about 20 minutes and then by the time the train came I still had the urge to kill myself but not it was nowhere near as bad as it was on that that moment I always think of that as bad as things get and as depressed as I can get sometimes I always think that at least I don't feel like the way I did on that train for that 30 seconds to a minute on a, that, that, that feeling I had on a train is what makes people jump off buildings jump off when they experience that whatever that feeling was that I had that 30 second feel, that, is the, that is definitely the difference between somebody who jumps off a building to kill themselves and somebody who goes no 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 don't do it like that, that that's it night and day and um, uh, that's when I moved to London I was so worried about that I was so worried about me being so depressed and I was pretty depressed at times because I just had no money it was just, it's hard and I remember thinking gosh I hope I don't get that feeling while I'm here and I haven't I haven't had that feeling since um, but it is something that I know could come back it's not like I'm just like oh yeah career's going well I'm staying busy I'm doing all these shows and all this sort of stuff oh, I'm fine it will never happen again no no I, I know and uh, therapy is definitely on the cards because I, I do want to try and keep that those thoughts and that feeling especially at bay 100% that that feel I've never had a feeling like that ever to be crying on a train just in the way that I was you would have thought somebody close to me had died what when you talk about the feeling what what is it how does it manifest itself what's going on I, there I don't know I I I just felt really really sad they always say with depression it's not necessarily one thing it's not necessarily a thing it's just a feeling so people go what are you depressed about and you, it's like talk, trying to talk to somebody who's got depression. It's hard to... They, they probably can't pinpoint it. Uh, sometimes, you know, yeah, a parent dying or, you know, loss of a job or something like that. But generally, it's, it's just, they just feel depressed and they just don't... They just can't see any joy in the world. They don't understand... Um, and it, it's, you never want to kill yourself. You just want to kill the feeling. That's definitely what it was for me is I didn't, I didn't want to kill myself, I just wanted to kill this feeling, which just so happened to mean, mean killing myself, I guess. Um, what, what steps have you taken to get away from that? Because the Darren I know, and again, I know this applies to people with depression because the, the, the persona can be different. Darren I know is, as I've said, a very confident lad, a very happy lad. It's always great to see you. So what have you done to um, combat? I think... I think career-wise, it's helped a massive 
a, a massive amount. But I also think that's quite dangerous because it could all go downhill again and then I'm back where I was. But I think career-wise it's helped a lot. Staying busy, doing gigs, writing shows, uh, meeting people, doing stuff like this with you. Uh, it's, it's really good to keep me engaged. But what I want to do as well is try and find stuff outside of comedy and work that I enjoy. Because again, being an introvert, I've never done anything outside. I've never done anything outside of, of, of just doing comedy never been to a museum never been to a gallery never done never never done any of that sort of stuff i mean i'll go to the cinema every now and again but in terms of you know See, i think the solo trips the cinema well, yeah oh, solo trip, it's can't it, beat it it's it's the best, best. Yeah. it's, it's, it's the best. so good especially when you go to the cinema and go where do you where do you want to sit and you're just like it's just me yeah i, I don't have to worry it's about like an 11am screener oh. and you're literally the only person in the cinema. i always get the seat where um, on, where there's all the leg room so do you know how there's always like a big gap? Yeah. They have like the front through rows. Sure. Then there's a massive gap. Then the next row, I always get that bit in nice. the in the gap there with the feet all like this. Ah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Cinema on your own is so so underrated. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm I'm thinking now to have more breaks and more time. So like when you heard me speaking to my agent, we talked about September has been like a, a nice break uh, to go away and relax. I understand that I need well, more September time. coming up or September? September, co- September coming up is going to be a time where I, I hope to have more time off. The plan is to take Friday, Saturdays off unless there's something important on. So in terms of me doing a crazy load of weekend gigs, oh, by the end, tail end of next year, I don't want to be doing that. I want to be in a position where, because of the tour, uh, I'm, I'm already touring I'm already doing so I don't need to be doing loads of Friday Saturday nights you know four or five you don't want to get frazzled yeah I, I don't want to do that I don't I, I think that would help my mental health as well if I know that I've got weekends back and, and um, also that uh, makes sense yeah you, on a selfish you, level I won't see you as much you, you, you're probably not gonna but th- I mean, I say that now, Jay, and then I'm back again. <laughs> you know, I, like uh, like I'm doing a, 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 a Soho run, and I'll be I'll be still doing those gigs afterwards. I remember doing like three hours of comedy last year on one day, just because I was. <sighs> yeah, I did two hours. I did two hours on Saturday. I did a preview, and then I did a lot three of the night nights. Uh, but I, I, I'm very grateful of it now because it was it was never like this. It, it really wasn't. So I try and take it all in. Well, as I said, as I said up top, you, if you've never seen Darren live, there is no more confident, more dynamic a performer. The guy absolutely roots it. So I was saying to this producer, I said, if yeah. anyone ever asks me for a recommendation, I said, I usually WhatsApp back two words, Darren. Harriet's. Oh, you're so, a good egg, Jay. So what can we Christian, if you're listening, look out. Um, what can we say about Soho then? Because that's, that's, I would say that's a great opportunity yeah. to see you. Yeah, Soho Theatre, um, 30th of April to the 4th of May. I'm there. Uh, it's doing my show. Basically, pretty much everything we talked about here, sort of the, the gang stuff, family stuff. Um, I really enjoyed doing the show, and it's going to be my last run of London dates of it. Um, it's been well-reviewed. It's a better review than my first show. My first show was nominated for Best Show at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Right. It's, it's, it, it's, it, it feels good because your, your first show is just everything that you've, just, you've ever written. And then your second show is where you're trying to hone in a bit more about who you are. And that's exactly what this is. It's more about the, the teenage years and some of the gang stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it's me generally being much, generally being much more... Um, uh, well, it's me explaining more about those years of my life, whereas my first show was more just about, here's my mum, here's my dad, 
da -da -da. Whereas this one's like, okay, this is what happened after my dad died. This is how I felt. This is what shaped my mind back, you know, when I was in a gang and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a great, really nice, I, I think it's a great, really nice tale, I would say. Darren Harriet, brilliant, right? Brilliant. Uh, if you want to see him live, he's playing the Soho Theatre. I can't recommend him enough. Ferociously talented live performer. Um, obviously, the stuff Darren was talking about was very powerful. Um, if you can relate to it, or if you think someone in your life can relate to some of the stuff he was talking about, then we at Balance would... Uh, the, the Samaritans is, is, is an obvious one to flag. But if you have any questions about therapy, because there are different types of therapy, the NHS website has a really really strong section it's called mood zone you'll find it on nhs.uk um, and there's a section there types of talking therapies uh, which will probably answer any questions that you've got um, as ever if you want to drop us a line we are podcast at balance.media uh, for sales it's sales at balance.media we're on uh, all the socials at balance ldn thanks to those of you who were sharing the love we're, we're very grateful the five-star reviews, thanks for that. If you haven't left one, God bless you. I mean, if you're an atheist, that's a straight bless you. But a five-star review obviously helps uh, an algorithm. I don't know what I'm talking about, but apparently it's a good thing. So five-star reviews, uh, thanks very much. Anyway, have a, have a lovely week. Um, my name's James Gill, and we'll see you on Monday. We'll drop another one on Monday. Um, if you want to check out our site, it's balance dot media lots of good stuff there uh thank you to henry for editing this uh thanks to georgia on digital as well i, I should probably just thank everyone at balance then that will save me won't it uh and thank you as well have a lovely week take care bye bye